spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label. Hi, it's Andien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on the beginning of 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label, full stop, bandcamp.com. Although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish, I am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs of this podcast going. And enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken Able. Hi, guys. Andy Ed. Spoken Able. Back in the house. And I nearly said a Tuesday night. It's a Monday night, actually. I'm getting mixed up today, so this is it all already. Anyway, we're over to a lovely, lovely little island today that my brother's actually been to, but I've never actually been to. And hi, Gavin, if you listen to this. I know Gavin's been over this island about three times now. And every time he goes over there and works business, he always ends up getting stuck over there for about four days because of storms. So I believe it's a lot nicer than that. So we're over to the Isle of Man, and we've got a lovely lady in there called Jackie Grace today. And I met Jackie on an um, online Zoom. I've got those. Oh, what's, what's the slump? I've got words back then. Fairly recently for Old Beehive, run by Clive Osman and Nick Lovell. And she was brilliant. So henceforth. Why have I asked Jackie to come on today? So, Jackie, for people that don't know you, obviously, would you like to introduce yourself, first of all? Tell everybody else who you are. Have you always lived at the Isle of Man or have you lived elsewhere? I um, I've Well, OK, I was born over here, went to school over here, and then I studied in Leeds for five years and then in London for five years. And then I came home to have the kids. Well, I had, came home with the kids because I had the kids when I was away. Well, no, oh, I had one right. child and I was away. I came home pregnant in a second. Yeah. And it's Jackie Murray Grace. Ah, apologies. Apologies. Right. So, right. you can say, mind Jackie Grace. That's my maiden name. I'm happy ah, with that. You that's know? why so that's I'm funny. just, I'm reading it wrong as always. So, <laughs> now, obviously, Jackie, I know you do a lot of creative stuff. I know that from reading up on you already. But obviously, take us right back to the beginning then. Where did all this come from then originally? Oh gosh, that's such a hard question. Okay, right. So I've always been a musician. So I started piano at seven. When I was nine, I was really lucky because, um, you know, I lived on the Isle of Man and like I had that really free childhood that everyone dreams of, you know, when it was like you come home from school, you go out and you play until your parents call you in. And some kids came around as classes and they said, if you want to join a brass band, come down to the village hall and whatever and I just thought I was nine years old so I hopped on my BMX and I cycled down there and I came back with a trombone and that was like uh, and I fell in love with it and that's by the age of 10 I was teaching trombone to all the little ones oh, I was first trombone and senior band you know I mean I was really was my thing I got my grade eight at 14 and then um 
and I did I was doing piano all the time as well but then I um basically because it is the old man and I, I didn't after I got my grade eight there was no one really to teach me so you know it all fell apart and I got into other stuff so I stopped playing and I didn't take it up again I'll cut to the end really quickly but I didn't take it up again until I was like 21 I did a postgrad I decided to train as a music therapist so I did a postgrad in jazz because right I didn't feel like I was creative at all. I didn't feel like I had a creative bone in my body. Although I did love poetry when I was at school, but it, it just wasn't like, um, it, it wasn't encouraged. In fact, it was probably more actively discouraged, I would say, not from the teachers, just, just a general kind of environment. It wasn't a thing. So we didn't have it like the kids have got now, you know, when they have like poetry slams for the kids and everything, it was more like, um, you just didn't do it, you know? So I tried a little bit because I was a bit goth and people took the piss and uh and so stopped and then and then I just didn't so that's that's kind of the early thing and what happened I then went to music college did a two-year postgrad in jazz trombone it was contemporary jazz contemporary and popular music is my postgrad title right wow that's a, that's a mouthful <laughs> it is a little bit at Leeds and I oh god I just felt like I found my place but I still didn't feel like a musician and and I really because I struggled I I actually struggle a little bit with processing kind of sound Mm. so all the way from my training I got really good because I was really good at reading music you know and and um all those kind of things but I couldn't process a sound so it was really hard for me training to be a jazz musician and then I um went off I had a year at home and then I had a year back in London doing the music therapy training. And my very first day there, I just thought this is not for me. You know, it just wasn't for me at all. And I did finish the training and I worked as a music therapist in London and I had my eldest son and then, um, you know, fell pregnant with my second one. But what happened after all that, I, I, I can't remember the individual question. Right? It's quite a, shall I, I carrying on my story now? Until I, yeah, until carry I your story. Yeah, there? that's why you're carrying your story. Well, I'll catch up eventually. Yeah, you can ask me questions in between, Andrew. Right? I might so, do. So it's a bit long-winded, right? But what happened after, right, when I was at music college, at the end of music college, I got glandular fever, yeah? And then very, and then shortly after, I can't remember, whenever I got pregnant, so I developed, like, clinical insomnia, like, proper, I forgot how to fall asleep. Yeah, God, it was really bad. And I had, like dream baby who slept through everything he slept <laughs> through natural bone practice every day for two hours he slept through it and um yeah he didn't sleep through piano he didn't like that but anyway so I carried on I was a jazz musician in London you know I had a little residency I was playing with some oh, awesome musicians um you know who are now here on Radio 3 all the time a lot of the kind of jazz warrior gang from the Brixton group and mm. it was just it was it was amazing but then you know got pregnant had a baby got pregnant again and thought you know being that organized but I was my partner my husband now and uh and we just thought oh sod this we can't be musicians in London with two little kids we were happy we were so broke right we were so oh, poor. would be would be yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and I was trying to work as a music therapist and like as, as a brass teacher as well and I was just knackered I couldn't sleep and so we just up sticks and we moved back home where all both sets of grandparents were and uh, and that was okay so that that happened and then um I, I'm trying to get through this as fast as I can do but what basically what happened because this is such a big story I had my daughter 13 years ago and after her I got very very sick so I'd had all these other problems with the insomnia and everything and the glandular fever, which I swear all kind of led to this you know but my thyroid packed in is what it turned out it was 
but in the meantime, I ended up, um, I went to a dentist, he used a tool on me and left me with howling tinnitus. So I couldn't, and I, I think I th I'm actually going for an ADHD process of diagnosis at the minute. I couldn't turn off from this tinnitus at all, you know? And so the next three and a half years, I went into complete psychotic kind of breakdown, you know, with newborn baby and two little kids. And, um, and, and during that time, so I had no creativity. I couldn't make music, obviously. I carried on trying to teach piano, but oh my God, it was, I was in a bad state. And um, I, during that time, I remember one day sitting on the beach and thinking to myself, I used to write, write poetry, you know, a little bit, because I did. People used to take the piss, like I said before, but I did used to do it. And I was sitting there thinking, I could never do that again. That's, my brain was so messed up. I was so ill. Um, you know, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't communicate, I couldn't read anything, I couldn't listen to anything. And I was in extreme dark, dark anxiety, um, constant panic attacks. And really, you know, I really think I probably could have been hospitalized if it wasn't for my daughter because I was so focused on her. So it, that was a bad time. And then anyway, right, I'm, but we're nearly there. We're nearly there. <laughs> right, I promise you. So what happened next? Um, it's been quite a thing. I, I basically, um, I discovered this thing called the Linda Method, which was, it was just, I, I'd spent all my money, every penny we had on kind of trying to get well and all the psychotherapies and everything, you know, and everything got me worse. And then I found this thing called the Linda Method. And I hadn't realized until that point, I wasn't battling tinnitus I was battling an anxiety disorder so and he basically explained what was going on and he said there's nothing wrong with you and it was the first time I had anybody say to me they're there start their starting point for the healing being rather there's something wrong with you we've got to fix you it was like there's nothing wrong with you you've got stuck in a brain loop you've got to break the habit and the the program taught me how to break the habit and one of the things, the really empowering things about it, it taught me <clears throat> rather than go inside yourself, and work out all the problems and what's, you know, all the psychotherapy stuff. It was all about looking outside and saying, what do I want my life to look like? How am I going to do it? Building in all the infrastructure to make it happen and just bloody doing it. And it was hard because I wasn't sleeping. So I'd have like maybe three nights of not sleeping. And still I built this structure. I would get up and I'd take my daughter to a club or I'd go for a bike ride or go and sit or go to a supermarket. I couldn't do those kind of things. So so that that happened. And I got really into sport. And then a year into that, when I was just starting to get better, and like, yeah, I was back on track and I was training for an adventure race and and I've managed to minimum and I, I the, the tinnitus was still there I never got rid of it but I, from that day from the minute I read this guy's stuff that I, I I you know the guy who kind of helped me in the end I swore to myself I never mentioned the word tinnitus again you see because it had become my life so I stopped mentioning it and I managed to minimize its impact on my life um and then and then I got <laughs> I got slammed with rheumatoid arthritis <laughs> oh good grief you told me about that before just off mic it's like, um, I've got a friend that um, suffers memory and she's got arthritis now. And it's mm. like, I think yeah, and what she's done is what's very similar to what you've done. It's okay. like, yeah, what she did was she learned to tackle one condition. And then it's like, just when you think she's got over that mood to get back to life and somewhere else hits her. And it's like, I think it's when your body's that sort of state weakened, it yeah. leaves you vulnerable sometimes to something else. That's why and it says a lot about you as a person straight away. Like you've not let it hold you back in your life. No, and as we were just talking before about, I can't remember what we're saying now about. 
oh, immune disorders and stuff. And like, you know, it's in my family. And yeah, you yeah. know, that, that kind of autoimmune stuff. And I think with hypothyroidism, which is also autoimmune, I think the stress of the breakdown, it was almost like the when the minute I got better, it was like my body just went, oh, I can release all this now. And I was, I was very, very ill. And so what happened when I was very ill, because I'd done the Linda method, because they taught me that I needed to keep my brain on track because I was in danger of having a relapse mentally. And I, it was a struggle mentally. Um, and I was very sick because it affected every joint in my body and I couldn't move for a good, I couldn't really move for a good nine months. And it was, and then it was a much longer journey than that, you know, and it's been very up and down. But I, um, but anyway, so I thought, I'm not going to let this get to me. <clears throat> and a friend said to me, because I've written some articles, believe it or not, for a really, really famous magazine called The Trombonist. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about some of the dry side of things, because I know you've done copywriting before, haven't you, as well, so... I do copywriting now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I have to get you talking to my wife because my wife's a part of copywriter as well. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why. So I'll oh, have to put you in contact it. with each other. Yeah. So obviously, then for people that I've seen, where did you come? When, when did you get into your copywriting? Well, the copywriting that only came um, kind of just before the pandemic. And that's before that I was over here on the Isle of Man. I, I ditched the music therapy with the breakdown because um, I hated it anyway. And I just was a piano and brass teacher. So I was teaching, you know, trombone, trumpets, piano, stuff like that. And then the copywriting, oh, and that's a long story in itself, Andy. Like, you know. Yeah. Should, should, us, should, should us say you're a copywriter? Story. Yeah. We'll just on the copywriter. Because what happened, you know, to get back to the novel. So, <clears throat> so I, I was writing, I, this wasn't being a copywriter. I just written some random articles for the trombonist to write, which is not a famous magazine. I'm having a laugh. But, you know, it was. I know. Ooh, I, 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 I take everything you say as it's true, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it's a good magazine. So I'd, I'd done a few articles and I got a mate who was a writer to proofread. And he said, whilst you can't move, why don't you write? And, and also I've, I've redone the, the program that I'd done for my anxiety and they were saying, yeah, Jackie, you ought to write. And I trained to be a life coach about the same time, but <coughs> excuse my cough, it's the end of COVID. And um, so, I, so I, I basically sat down and started writing these novels. And you know what? I never thought, like I said before, even though I did the jazz, I never thought I was creative. I thought I had you know I was too tense too tight it just wasn't in there and with the writing because I hadn't I had everything fell apart yeah I, I had when I got sick with the arthritis I was so sick you know people didn't visit me people didn't phone I was very much alone I've got a family you know got a husband and everything but I was very much alone so it was a very desperate time so I literally became absorbed in my stories these two these novels and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and I entered a local competition with my first ever short story and got first prize which was a boost and gave me that kind of ooh, you know but I suddenly realized to be quite honest right my writing was absolutely shit yeah uh -huh. no I'm not kidding I'm not kidding I'm going for that first novel now right and I'm like oh my god I've got about four three four incomplete novels knocking around myself oh, wicked. yeah and <laughs> I'm gonna, I've told myself I've got to get one done next year and yeah. I let I let my wife Amanda have a look at the one I'm going to work on. <laughs> and she turned around and said to me, you've got a lot of work to do in that yet, because Amanda's wrote about six novels. <laughs> and actually she's been polite. Like, we can keep each other accountable, yeah? Because I swore to myself, if I got COVID, I would get that first novel absolutely bound in shape. Got COVID, didn't I, last couple of weeks? And by day, oh, I don't know, as soon as I got over the worst symptoms, I got into it, and I was doing like 12, 14 hours a day on it, and it did my bloody head in. And I, 
I was like, but 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 what I did learn, I learned that I could tell a story, and that was really interesting because I didn't know I could do that. And then um, and then, right, well, I'm, I'm going to get onto poetry now. So oh, yeah. fast forward. <laughs> It's a long story. Um, fast forward to about 2016, I think it was. And basically I had another relapse with the arthritis, like a really severe one. And that was like an 18 monther. Um, but lots of stuff happened around that. And I was in a deep state of trauma and I was severely traumatized by something that happened, uh, which I now think I know I think that was kind of related to the ADHD, to be honest, but I, but whatever happened, something bad happened, it triggered a massive relapse and I couldn't get my care. I couldn't get my care properly over here. And I ended up having to shift it to England and um, it was all very messy. It was, it was awful. But on the year anniversary of that, I just woke up. Oh no, I didn't wake up. I was wide awake because I couldn't sleep and I was crying and all this kind of stuff, you know, and a poem just came and I, it just came without even writing it down. It just came and I got up and I wrote it all down. It was all just coming out of my head. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, I've just written a bloody, that's actually quite good, that. <laughs> I think you find, like... you find something for poetry like that, it comes unexpected sometimes. Oh, and that's yeah, why, yeah. yeah. I also, I think your first, when you're trying to become a poet, your first couple of poems come through stress or some kind of disorder anyway. Yeah. And then I think it, your focus changes when you get to grips with it more. So I suspect this is what's happened with you, actually, Tom. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, the one that I was so, so that was in 2017, that was January 2017. Um, again, I was very alone. Um, all my, you know, all my friendships, you all, when you get very sick like that, you're very isolated and people fall away. You know, I've got brilliant friends and not, not any reflection of my friends. We've all got young kids, you know, and it, well, we did have minor teens now, but they're all young kids. So, you know, it was just hard. And, um, and, and I was very distressed because I was very alone and I was a lot of pain. So there was a lot of stuff going on. And then, um, and, you know, and I couldn't look after the kids and it was all, it was just awful. So, one of the things I did do within all of that, and this is really where the copywriting came from, I set up um, mm. a charity. So I set up the charity Without Wings and Thanks Autoimmune Arthritis Trust. Um, I was going to ask you about that next, actually. actually. So look maybe. at that, Faye. Look Sorry, at that. I'm like ruining all your opportunities. Like <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, it comes naturally. <laughs> never, never, spoke label is never scripted. If the writer asks, answers everything naturally, I was going to ask it. My, my life's easier. So tell us about the charity then. Yeah, so the charity basically, um, basically, my it was awful. My whole experience of having diagnosis and, and everything else, and and you know, and also having had the previous history of like, you know, severe mental illness. So, um, and the two just didn't marry. And I couldn't believe there was nobody offering counselling. Um, there was nobody. There was no charity that would come to help me out around the house. Um, what are the other things that we do? I. I um, all kinds of things, just trying to think of the main things that we do, but basically all the things that would have made my life and more to the point my family's life a lot easier at the time were not available. So I set at the charity to fill all the gaps. And I think in the UK, you get, you get, you know, you're, it's bigger, there's much more access to everything already. So you might have like a counsellor or a physio, or whatever. they've got a physio attached to the unit here now, but they didn't have then, you know, they didn't have anything. So basically I raised money, um, 
um, and set up all the charity, the whole concept of it. And it was just to plug that gap so that anybody on the Isle of Man who found themselves in my situation could have free counselling, could have somebody come around clean the house, could have access to um, free massages or, or whatever they wanted, acupuncture, anything they wanted, we would pay for. And um, there was something else. We, with the now nine things that we pay for so I set all this up and that was very exciting but then on the back of it I kind of found myself being an events organizer I got really into doing this kind of stuff so there was I, I really went for it I don't do things by halves so yes <laughs> so that was that was really good and then um and so that basically I came out of this big flare when they eventually decided yes actually do you have a really you know, it's, it's in your hips and you need to have a steroid injection in your hips. And after 18 months, you know, when that happened, I started to improve and I came out of the flare being a poet who suddenly won the slam over here, uh, which is like I'm, a big deal of slam. Explain to us next then, because obviously, am I right in thinking because the slam that you won, I'm just trying to find it now. Yes. Was that the Mank List Poetry Slam? Festival yeah, yeah. Max Little yeah. Fest. Now, yeah. if people look around and that, they will see you've won it three times. And in between yeah. that, you've also been a runner-up on the short story slam. And then, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is like, this is incredibly busy because people look at the diary in this. You won the poetry one in 2017. You were the yeah. short story slam runner-up in 1890. Then you went and won the, the poetry one again in 2020 and 21. That's, yeah. that's some going in each all of them. It was, it's, a, yeah, I mean, you know, the one I won this year was, that was a real buzz because I was coming back as a reigning champion. And last year when I did my piece, I was proud of my piece. And I think it was the one that you might have heard at the UB Hive, um, but I hadn't, I'd only just finished it and I memorise everything. I don't read from script. So when I performed it, I was really nervous because I'd only literally finished it the, the week beforehand. And I can't, I just, I hate performing with words. So when I did it last year, I'll be honest, I didn't think I did my best performance. And it, so I felt a bit kind of, oh, about winning it. Because it's the, the Banks Lip Fest Poetry Slam is, there's some really good, we're very lucky over here. The, the Banks Lip Fest in itself is a big event. You know, it's like, it's not run the last couple of years, obviously, but it's normally over about, I think it's six days or five days. And it starts with a Poetry Slam. It ends with a short story slam. And we get all UK people in doing all, you know, Mark Rist has been over for it and stuff like that. You know, it's it's a really, really good event and it's fairly high profile. Um, but when I won it this year, right, I was prepped with my piece and I went in and I grabbed that mic and I slammed it. And, you know, coming back as a reigning champion is so nerve wracking because you could fall flat on your face. And... Um, so I was proud of that. Yeah, the short story slams. Yeah, I was, hang on, I was, so I, I was third one year, actually. It was, I, um, and then the other year I was second. The year I was second, I can't remember what 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 story I did for the other one, but the one I, when I was second, I was dead proud of that piece. I was really proud, and I nearly won it as well. And my mate won it, and she is bloody brilliant. And, and the judges came up to me at the end, and they said, oh, Jackie, there was nothing between you. And I, and I thought, I couldn't have beat her because she's so good. And she was so she needed to win it, and it, she's and she's like my idol. So that was um yeah that was that's that was fun. Oh yeah, and completely, really, completely. Yeah. I can bet it was so like giving you're bunking when you're putting the pressure on yourself like that. I've won, I've never done. I've got done three slams and I won I won two of them, but they're not right. for me. They're not for me. And I, no. I just don't. I, I don't like performing too absent. The two or one were actually to massively drunk audiences, and <laughs> I thought. After the second one, I'm not doing that again. 
<laughs> so right. that's why it's yeah. just I don't like the pressure on the shots why then which I could savage came diabetically so that buggered out anyway. So so but pressure wise, we yeah, are brilliant. No, I know. Listen, back to you. Now uh, obviously we should be talking about your two books as well, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, because obviously I want people to talk about your books. Now I'm I want to watch brilliant i want to do it definitely later on now the first one i want to talk to you about is i'm just, just gonna get your website up now on it when i try and find it was about on a ravensdale hill yeah tell us about that then oh that's it's yeah so like i said when i had when i had the second relapse and um okay so basically with the hip relapse for the arthritis um the the second poem i ever wrote was tartar taboo and, you know, you just said about sometimes your first and second ones are like the kind of like, oh, you know, and then everything's yeah. a bit mm, after that. Well, I wrote Tartar to Boot and I wrote it when I, so what I did when I was rehabilitating and trying to walk again, I started going to this Glen because I used to be a fell runner and I was done mountain biking as well. And I'm, I've always been a walker and I started going to this Glen to basically try and walk again because I hadn't really been able to walk for so long, you know, and um and it had a really steep hill in this glen. Like there's like a, it, it kills anybody I take there, yeah. But that was my <laughs> goal was to get to the top of that bloody hill, right? And I and the whole glen was called Ravensdale, but I called that hill Ravensdale Hill, even though it's not called Ravensdale Hill. So I was walking around there. But also when I was walking around the glen, I was still in, I was in a pretty deep state of trauma with everything that had happened, and I started to write all these poems. Um, and then I went to storytelling club. And I said, listen, I've written like these five poems here. And I just think, I think they're a story. And I think I can tweak, you know, just, you know, tweak them all a little bit and I can put in little filler bits. And I think I'm going to have a strong story here. And it became on Ravensdale Hill and uh, it's 16 minutes. And I performed it to, I, I was invited to perform it when we were first doing Zoom um, in the pandemic to the Australian Poets Out Loud, I think they're called, like an offshoot of the Australian Poetry Slam. And they invited me to do it. So I got to do it on Zoom to like those guys. I did the whole story and they're all going, where can we buy the words? Because it's very fast, as you can probably gather, right? I speak quickly. Yeah, not yeah. one of these poets that read the words slowly. That's for sure, right? I'm no better, so yeah. <laughs> so there's some passages which just, and it builds throughout the whole thing. There's, both my books have got a lull in the middle of them. So they're like, you know, it's like da da da, and then it's ah, and then it's push at the end. Uh, and um, so, but a lot of people were saying to me, Where can we buy the words? And, and I performed it over here a few times. So that's why I got on Ravensdale Hill. I got Arts Council funding for that and for a seller. And, um, but that to me, yeah, it ends. The Tartar Taboo was my 2017, my first poetry slam win. And it went well, as an epilogue actually after that, but that's the climax. Brilliant, brilliant. No, no, what I've read of that book, it looks really fascinating book, it does. Now, obviously, tell us about your second book, your other book then. Have I pronounced this right? Alicia's Song. A Silla's Song. A Silla's song. song. No, I haven't. No one there at all, right? That's where perks of dyslexia in there. So, right? so I'm, yeah. I won't make I won't make myself look like Pratt anymore then. So tell us about that book then, and how does that it's, compare oh, then to your other book? It's, it's, it's also a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would spend little else off you, right? As all I'm going to say, right? One day, I, do you know what? They were supposed to arrive today. I've been, oh, all day I've been like, where are they? Because they've only just been printed. So it's not going to be launched officially till next year. But 
Okay, a Stiller song ended up being a 23 minute long play, actually. And it wasn't meant to be a play. Um, I say- oh, it's, it's always the case with writing that sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, Things yeah. go off in directions you don't expect. I think I can relate to that. I know. It's, it's, uh, I say on the back of the Scylla song that it was inspired by haunting stories and dark secrets from the Isle of Man's eastern coastline, um, which did inspire, there was a particular story that inspired the final poem in it, um, whereby a ghost has to, so it's about a ghost, right? But I won't see what happens because I, I suppose I better not. I keep doing that. I keep telling everybody yeah. what happens at the end. What I always believe is hint <laughs> and don't tell the full story, right? Even at all, just best way, right? <laughs> but the, the ghost needs resolution. So anyway, the poem was a resolution, and and then other you know other stuff happens. And I started to, to create. Um, I can't, can't remember. I just thought, oh god, shit! I'm downloading something. I didn't mean to. It's gone there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, so the poem, right? So I just thought this needs a fault. This needs this 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 poem here needs to have it needs to have the lead up, you know, because I went and performed it at open mic and I felt all the power and the energy in it. And I thought people haven't got a fucking clue what I'm talking about here, right? So I thought it needs to have the story, and it ended up being it's about a ghost who's haunted by her own. Who, she's haunted herself by her angel and she's also haunted by her ex who drove her to to kind of you know um <clears throat> her brutal end and it's about her seeking revenge and uh in the middle of it she finds like a broken mirror and and she looks at it and she realizes the reflection is identical to her angel and she realizes that actually her angel is part of her and she has to learn what this means and how to integrate it and what what it means for her revenge plans um, but when I first performed it, we're very lucky over here. Well, I'm sure everyone's got an amphitheatre somewhere, but there's an amphitheatre up on Douglas Head. Um, and the story kind of came from Douglas Head area anyway. So the amphitheatre is like an old Victorian, you know, they, they've done it up actually. I performed there, performed on Ravensdale there for my book launch in the pissing rain. We had to put all the bloody audience on the stage. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> Thick mist. It was so grim, you know. It was great. It was good. Night. But I performed a silly song there and I did it with a delay pedal and a big mask. So, um, so yeah basically again it's quite fast paced and and she goes through this whole thing of like you know sometimes it's a ghost talking and sometimes it's a mask which is the angel talking and so that that's what that's all about but when I put it into the book form that's when I realized it's actually a play I didn't really realize until I got it in the book so you get to see the scenes and I think reading it and seeing the scenes helps you understand exactly what's going on because I think just watching it um because a very intense my work tends to be quite intense but because it's quite intense and sometimes faster try and bring it down a little bit but yeah anyway and I, I self-illustrated both books um but I'm not an artist so I've, I've seen the art the artwork on it and it's I think it's quite evocative anyway because I think the um to quote Marky Smith from The Fall in, in England is sometimes it doesn't always you don't have to be an expert in this one to make something evocative. And the artwork I've seen in your books looks really good. It's distinctive. And that's something that's all you need sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of stuff right in the bin. <laughs> it's expected, right? So that's why. So yeah. no, 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 believe me, I could look at them definitely. So now obviously um 
this podcast will go live in 2022, actually, not 2021, because it was recorded, people wanted just for Christmas. Now, I know you've got, you're uh, going going forward as we start to wind down. I know you're thinking about two of the novels, aren't you, for 2023? But you'd ask people not to hold you to that. What, what? <laughs> you're thinking no. of two novels, aren't you? The novels. Yeah, two novels, but you'd ask people not to hold you to this for 2023. So is there anything you want to hint about with these novels? Novels? The novels are basically about, it's about a boy who dies when he's still alive, yeah? And so he ends up in death and he is still holding on to life in the palm of his hand. And the whole kind of idea is there's nothing more dangerous in death, nor more compelling, nor more cruel than the presence of life. Yeah. So, of course, all these people are dead and they're just doing whatever they do in death. They're all ghosts. Well, a mixture. There's ghosts, there's angels, there's demons, there's all kinds of things going on there. Um, but basically, he goes in and, and there's this whole, basically, it's like, a, it's like a bloody virus is what it is, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's contamination, I call it in the book. And he goes in and anybody who touches the life immediately has their eyes forever open to that which they've lost for all eternity you see so they immediately succumb to, to basically demonization because they're, they're kind of they are filled with this yearning to have something back they can never have back again and it destroys them and it's a whole but but there, there was the thing is it's the most complicated story in the world right for reasons I haven't got time to go into but um, but when he gets to death, it's already in a state of chaos. So, so he, but he, he doesn't help that chaos. And there's a, a lot of, and, and it's basically an unraveling. There's a huge unraveling. So once he gets there, he just unravels all the death. And, and then he has to work out what that means and how he needs to, how he can pull things back again. And then the second book is just a follow on from that because, um, which I'm not going to say what happens because I can't see what happens in the second book without ruining the first book. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just say, Look out for them, but look out for them both next year. That's probably the oh, best way of looking at it. So now, obviously, yeah, we'll 2023, yeah, yeah, we'll do, even though even though they're like they need a lot of work. But um, the the book, the first book is called The Boy Without Wings, and the charity that I formed is called Without Wings. Now, uh, actually, to be honest, there's no correlation between the two apart from it just seemed like a good name. Coincidences, um, though, don't you? It was. Yeah, yeah, but but his journey as well, symbolically, because I was really sick when I wrote it with the first Starfighters Fair. Symbolically, it's it when I look at it now, it was a journey back to life, and I was really sick, and I was trying to get my journey back to life, and I lived my life because my whole life had fallen apart. I lived it through the eyes of my characters, and to me, my characters became the most real thing imaginable, you know, because yeah. I and but my, yeah, you know. Yeah, you do. Again. You do. It's a novel takes over your life. It's like that. Uh, mm-hmm. A friend of mine who I'm not going to name has got that because he's been working on a novel for over about five, six years now. And he's fell in love with the female lead on it. And he keeps telling me he's never going to meet a woman like that. <laughs> so it does happen. It does happen, that sort of thing. It takes over your life, doesn't it? They come that realistic. Yeah, you know, can get you completely. Good luck. Good luck with all of them, definitely. So now, that's pretty well covered all my questions for today, Jackie. So we'll let you now then do the hard sell. Where can people get your books from? Um, okay, so you can either go to my website and then there's a little link there to an online shop. So that is um, www.jackiemorrigrace.weebly.com. Yeah. 
Brilliant. That's I've got. I was just that's where I'm gonna get most of my information from you today. I was hoping you were gonna say that page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, if you're on the Isle of Man, which many people aren't, or oh, no, they are. There's eighty six thousand of us. So if you're on the Isle of Man, it's I've got it in the local bridge bookshop it did just sell out but they've restocked it now so they've got more um both books a still a song will be in there as soon as it arrives and then i've also yeah so on my website that links to to a website called quirky.in where i can yeah where you can yeah, buy them you definitely that one now i know you're also you're on facebook as well aren't you so you've got a yeah. facebook page as well which is j murray grace poetry if people check you out on that one um, yeah, I don't too much on that. It's more Instagram where I put stuff on. Yeah, I was just going to say you do. I know you're Instagram as well, aren't you? If people want to find you on Instagram. Where are the best going on Instagram? Jackie's Wicked Rhymes. Sounds good to me. So, right, okay, well that's <laughs> well, that's pretty covered all. I'm not going to ask what these wicked rhymes are. So you might, you might get the podcast taken off here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, don't worry, I'm going to be really safe tonight. <laughs> don't bother me. Right, what we'll do? Well, that's all my question here, Jackie. So we'll let you take a quick break. I've had a good laugh today, so it's been brilliant. This. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Jackie's going to do some pieces for us. So this is going to be great, because I love doing old beehive. I'm judge the slam. I said at the time to you, Jackie, I thought you could have won that. But one of those things really won it, so <laughs> as I would say. So. Oh, it's kind of you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean it always so right guys and girls we'll see you in a minute spoken there guys right straight over to Jackie now she's going to complete no, I think she's going to complete surprise me and you today so over to you Jackie surprise myself <laughs> uh, okay so pieces all right then let's let's start with this one I just like this one it's called wasp well it's not it's called the latin version of wasp but I can't say that so um okay you said I was a natural hazard, my tongue a hypodermic needle inserted beneath your skin in searing shots of hot buttered poison dispersed in the iron of your blood in floods. In floods, in floods, in vitally venomous nervous system paralysis, you, my victim, meet a climatic ascent of your dreams, your perfection, a burst of what it means to feel beneath your skin my sting in anaphylaxis. You said I was a natural hazard then, it gave me your red mouth to kiss. Ooh, that, that's very that's very visual straight away that one <laughs> wow that wasn't my best version of it okay all right so that's one <laughs> and then this one so this one i've actually turned into a song um but i won't do it well, it's not a song it's poetry over music kind of thing and it's called stardust and it's more mellow and i've got to remember how it starts hang on to give me a minute um oh to feel such awe Life's insignificant gift wrapped and moonbeam ribbon clapped in the magnificence of a moment's meditation upon the falling of a star. The night is raw, infused of wood smoke and a bright star-soaked sky with frost and snow and a foot in a moon cup to my hand as I reach up in a vaporous puff from my mouth as I breathe out and wonder what. That whole worlds might form from the dust of the stars when dying stars fall, that I might exist at all. For if this is what it takes to feel such awe, let them fall, let them fall, let the dying stars fall. I really liked that then because it was a complete nice, it's a completely different tone to your wasp piece that was. It was felt almost a bit more traditional actually, it really didn't, and the rhythm on it, beautiful, beautiful stuff. This piece is called Blackbird, and um, this is for Gary Huskinson, right? I turned it into a song for him, and the actual poem itself was written on the back of I Do Mark Chris Wright Club, uh, which I should give a little plug here, actually. Um, Wright Club, yay! 
hello right club gang so this was one of the themes of the week i think well i think it was i think it was a theme i don't anyway so it's called blackbird there's a blackbird in my bathroom there's a blackbird in my sink he's a silver tongue that's wagging a through an orange blackbird beak his legs are all akimbo his breasts a bulge of plume his rattle is a cross between a blackbird and an mg42 he's got no rhythm rhyme or reason a wild addition to my bathroom he's erratic and he's frantic with his flamboyant antics cock short cock eyed cock tailed cock fighting with his double a musketeer a buccaneer I'm a raiding menace of a filibuster in my mirror. Oh, I'd like to catch his blackbird, but his wings are all a scuff. He's vociferous in his madness, a hell of a hullabaloo of a fuss. He's a wayward rogue, a pirate, with sails all black to roam the sea. Thinks he's some shipmate's parrot, but he's still a blackbird to me. And so I bid him well as he veers towards the tide. Release the latch, let go, man, the blackbird's on the fly. Release the latch, let go, the blackbird's on the fly. Release the latch, let go, the blackbird's on the fly. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> you see, I consider the night you said you get you can't really sing. That's that's far. I've got a fairly good effort that to be you. I can't sing. Do you know I've just joined a choir, and I'm not a singer. I always thought I couldn't sing at all, but I just was walking through the hills, and that tune came to me, and I thought, oh, that has got to because I had a book launch um for Ravensdale Hill, like I said at the amphitheatre, and put the crowd on the stage and uh and I opened it with that you see and the whole thing was called the magpies and yeah I just did. and my husband had never heard me sing before so that was quite funny because he was like whoa right. was he stood there crying was he afterwards or <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna say which tears of horror <laughs> I didn't say that <laughs> okay what have we got next for us I like doing storytelling stuff or kind of stuff that's like about wonder and awe. You know, I like to avoid real life stuff and the messagey things, which, but I do write the messagey stuff for the slams. So I've written a couple. So it's why whenever I do a slam, I only do the same couple. Um, but anyway, this is, um, oh shit. Shall I do my 2021 Manx Lit Fest poetry slam win? Go for it. But Go it gives, for it. It, give, it gives away my age. <laughs> Oh, well, listen, I'm older than you, so don't worry about that, right? Yeah, I was really glad, actually. It was a real thing. When I got on stage, I was like, yes, everybody knows how old I am now. This is great. It's liberating. So um, anyway, um, okay. Uh, it hasn't got a title. So in 4.5 billion years, this earth has soared through these skies. And here we all are caught up in the individual universes of our own unique life. Little bundles of neurosis, monkey minds, primitive urges, hopes, dreams, fears, expectations, chaos, clutching at anything that might give our lives meaning. So tell me why, oh why, oh why, must we negate half these precious years of our minuscule lives by being ageist? 
It's unique phenomena, don't you think? That when the average lifespan is less than a flash in a pan in terms of existence that we scathe, undermine, sneer at and dismiss people just for getting older. And I appreciate youth, that's not the point. Youth has a beauty that cannot be surpassed and my heart is crushed when I hear the pressures that a youth are under just to fit other social expectations that are also mere fabrications of limited imaginations. But here's the thing. The passing of time cannot be controlled not by Botox or hair dyes or white lies on forms, yet so many people I know who hit 40 feel silenced and dump themselves in a box of washed up. And why? Why? Because society lies to us. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret that I very rarely share. I started rapping age, here you go, 42 on a festival stage wearing gold flares. But it was two years before I told my bandmates that I wasn't 38. Why? Because some people <laughs> felt that as I straddled 40 that I should feel ashamed. And it took me a while to realise that actually I was doing just fine. In fact, for the first time in my life, I finally felt I knew my mind. And I've worked hard to get here. And I have learned hard along the way. And I've heard some bullshit spoken by people who think they have a right to spit close-minded opinions just to gaslight the wise and the old ones. But I am big enough now, which is why my voice is loud. Because when I was young, I was too afraid of life to be someone, which is sad. Because now I know what no one ever tells you. It is hard, but it's beautiful getting older. Friendships deepen, expectations lessen, you no longer take shit or get starstruck. And why? Because if you've lived long enough, you'll know seasons shift like falling stars to them blink and they'll be gone every summer, winter, spring and autumn because for 4.5 billion years the earth has soared through these skies so even if you live to 100 you'll only ever have 0.0000002% of that time to learn how to live your life and getting old is a privilege it's not a right, it's not a given so how's it a curse and is it not time to call it out for what it is more time to love, to learn, to laugh, to live, to leave our small, small print on big, old earth. Excellent. Excellent piece. No. I stumbled over a word. I tripped Oh, over. I'm always stumbling over words. I don't <laughs> worry about it. You know what it is? Stumble, stumble over words. It makes you more human then, so I don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. If you stumble um, over half the piece about ten times, that's a different ball game. You know, people think you're drunk on stage, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sometimes wish I could get drunk. I don't drink alcohol because of the arthritis. So, and sometimes I notice, you know, um, people drink before open mics and everything. And I think I wish because I used to, when I used to play jazz trombone in London, mm. um, I used to um, get absolutely fucking hammered. Like, like uh, you know, I couldn't. I had I had really bad stage fright. I couldn't do it unless I was really drunk. And a few friends thought I had an alcohol problem, but luckily I fell pregnant. So. <laughs> It's like I couldn't drink that. Oh, I, mean, I will have the odd drink, but I'm not prepared to go on stage or any alcohol down me. I'll have a drink right of the odd drink afterwards, but not before. So, right, I tell you what, to wrap up then tonight, um, you're going to send that music track over to me anyway. So, you were going to send them, do me that, an extract, weren't you, from your book? They're grit and dirt, just like the earth. They're young, their hearts have yet to turn to stone. They know my soul, they bleed with me, their every movement keen to read the pain I wear upon my sleeve. As one we move, as one we breathe, they light and bright and preen my feathers, streamline tight, and they feed my rage with dancing words till finally their work is done. I cast them off and I emerge a phoenix brighter than I'd ever dreamed, with feathers strewn with blades of flame. They sever out like tender limbs of lamb and sacrifice to appease as God to strike the hearts of those of us who dare to play love's brutal game. And with this gift of renewed strength, I rise from ashes once dismissed as dust of brightness now to rival even that of which the summer's sun does boast. <laughs>
I navigate, I circulate, air's breath is hot as fire am I. I murmurate, I plummetate, fast rhythmic swoops up and down around the sky. I beat my wings, I clash my claws. I dance a dance, most pure, most wild, a vortex filled with rage and passion, gathering by hour, by hour, by hour, by hour, till thunderous victorious deliverance and sufferance and bathed in glorious defiance. I strip off the blinkers that for far too long have suffocated my unhappiness, and I declare war, silence, old raven. I will hear no more of your flapping dark wings, of your tata call. I'll not stroke your curious head as it clocks to one side, nor tap your tip-tappity claw, nor steal a peek inside your hypnotic-hued eyes. Be shushed, sweet raven. Your words are but empty shells on a shingle. You have no pearls to goad my temptation or to test my good reason. Keep your beak for the rats. You're too weak for large prey. Your tetaboo, raven, farewell and good day. Steady there. You weather the storm and you circle the skies, but let it be known if you must feast on feast stolen, then I for one will not be your carrion, being as I am, a feast that is all so forbidden. Pray silence, my raven, your tata boo is deafening. Your boy, my raven, it swoops on my back, cause ta 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 boo 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 my ear and spits his hackity 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 cack on my cheek. Oh, shoe raven, shoe, I will scavenge your tongue. And let it be known to each and all and everyone who might lend an ear to the cat squaw of your tongue that it's a lie of temptation from the unkindness of the raven you've traced in my raven. But no croak will lay me down on heath, soft as butter, nor open me up like the yielding egg that you greedily pecked and it drips on the tip of your monstrous beak, and no more is left save the notch ah, on your wing, and the saliva that meanders down a tataboo ching, a tataboo raven, tataboo call, your talons are fierce, but you're the hunter no more. I'm tataboo raven, your sharp mouth is mine, and moments are thrilling, your tataboo, tataboo, valleys of time. Tataboo raven, beat, beat to my drum, I will feed till I split with satiation, I will gorge myself. Junk tataboo raven tataboo, such a sweet feast and so forbidden. Let me gobble up you. Are you tired now? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> that is the that's the climax. There's an wow. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> it's a bit of an epilogue when she feels a bit bad because she ate him, but you know. <laughs> Excellent, tremendous that. If it, all I can say to that one is that like it's anyway, obviously you're only gonna hear the audio on this, but Jack is yeah. it's been arms have been flowing everywhere. Almost like she's putting magic spell on me there. And I've just sat there thinking, my God, that was incredible. Well, thank you today for that, Jackie. That really was oh, tremendous stuff. So been a really good session. I had a great laugh of you, and I've been spellbound with your pieces in the second half. So thank you again oh you're so i'm really grateful nobody ever asked me to do anything so i'm so grateful that's really kind and it's brilliant to meet you as well so i'd love to get you on again definitely in the future so now hang around because do need a quick word off microphone get this okay. just get this saved in a minute so but anyway guys girls that's it for today so as don Callis at impact wrestling always says stay safe and stay over and we'll see you all next time take care spoken mate